How's it going there, Real Rejects? I don't know what this accent is. Hey guys, how you doing, listeners of the Reject Nation? The Reject Pod... The Pod. You're, you're our pod. I, I don't know. I'll find a cool name for you guys at some point. Anyway, The Great Wave is the title of this episode. It's Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Episode four, and this was a good one. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it to you. This has been an up and down experience, um, but this episode was quite gratifying. I would say easily the best one yet. But I will save the opinions for the talk. This is our immediate thoughts immediately upon finishing the episode. Immediately, immediately, immediately. And if you'd like to see our experience of the episode, come on over, check out the reaction highlights. Those will be on our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/TheRealRejects. Got all the episodes up so far, and will continue through the season. And if you want to sync up with your own copy, get the full experience, enjoy the show along right side with us. Uh, that that kind of worked as a phrase. Anyway, come on over to patreon.com slash therealrejects. We've got tons and tons of shows and movies over there with exclusive watch-alongs where you'll sync up with your own copy, as well as reaction highlights where you can see little snippets and our reaction to those snippets. So it's a lot more complicated for people to grasp the difference between the two than you would think. So yeah, if, if you want to watch the full thing, you will not get all of the footage. That's illegal. But uh, you can sync up and enjoy alongside us if you'd like. And lastly, if you just want to support the channel direct, uh, check out our, uh, well, I mean, Patreon's the most direct. But also check out our zero dot, uh, zeroedition.com store. One take, baby, one take. Uh, check out our zeroedition.com store. We got a bunch of cool designs, always dropping new stuff each month. And uh, yeah, that also supports the channel. And if you care enough to, to, sh- to, to wear it out loud, you know, come on over there and check it out. But anyway. Here are our immediate thoughts following episode four of The Rings of Power. This is called The Great Wave, this episode, and uh, a, a pretty great wave indeed, I would say. Let's do it. Well done. Wowie. All right. Not just saying it. I have nothing to gain if I like an episode. Or two. <laughs> you got to win the internet back. <laughs> win who back the internet? So divisive it on this show. Anyway. No matter who you win, you'll lose just <laughs> yeah, as many people. Uh, all I all you have left to do is be honest if you yeah. like an episode or not. And yeah, I would say that this is my favorite one so far of uh, all four that we've gotten because. Uh, I was genuinely interested in every storyline they were cutting to. I cannot say that about any of the other episodes. Like this one, I was actually, it was easy to pay attention to. Um, It was engaging. At at times, the emotional parts were uh, a little bit more swelling than I had uh, expected it to be. And even by the very end of it, when they are uniting, I was like, hell yeah, cool. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm actually... I'm anticipating. Yeah. <laughs> what do you know? What an experience this is because it's become, starting to feel like an actual experience to me, mm. and I feel like it's just this has been like, you know what I would like in this experience too. Have you guys seen the movie Cloud Atlas? Have you seen it? I have not. Okay, Cloud Atlas is cutting between, and maybe a lot of people don't share this opinion like me, but Cloud Atlas. I remember watching it. The first half of that movie was very frustrating and and very difficult to sit through because it's cutting between so many different storylines. And they're very, and it's not like this because Cloud Atlas is like different genres per storyline. And and you have like same actors playing different roles. And there's there's a little much. And they're they're just completely different stories. And eventually 
it, around the middle, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm starting, starting to enjoy this. And then eventually I was like, oh, this is really enjoyable. <laughs> this is really great. It starts to smooth itself out once you get uh, acquainted. I didn't think it would take like four episodes, but this uh, uh, we've cut, we've checked in with pretty much every storyline in this one, right? Except the Harfoots, yeah. Except the Harfoots. They're the yeah. thing that's holding this show back. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. In the episodes that aren't as good, they are the best part. But then they are very sparingly used in the best episodes so far. Uh, they mentioned, yeah, the the you know, the Starfall, the the, the man of right. Earth, but that's about it. Yeah. But everything yeah. else. No, no, I think I, I like the Harfoots for the most part. And uh but for the most part they cut to everyone's storyline and I was I, I love the conversations between forgive me for not did you commit to memory the name of the queen, John? I uh, not yet. Queen, <laughs> queen Regent Medio. We have the Hideo. actual credits pulled up right here at the end episode. Yeah. Uh I like the conversations between the Queen and Galadriel. Because Galadriel's note starts to sound like the way she talks sounds like kind of repetitive after a certain point, but I felt like her scenes actually allowed for some a little bit of layers with it. Even the scene when she's in, in prison and she's talking with the uh, prisoner. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's his bruh, name? Brad, bruh, something cool, bruh. Bro, bro, bro guy. there it is. That's his name. Broin. Bronwyn. No, Bronwyn's the lady. God damn it. Bronwyn's Theo's Who's mom. Who's Bronwyn? Oh, shit. <laughs> so many different names. You gotta uh, learn. Go forward. <laughs> we'll find it. Get it. Get it, Bazir? No, that's no. no, 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 John, you're not catching it. Haldebrand, Halbrand, Halbrand. Okay, yes. <laughs> we did it. All right, so <laughs> even the conversation with Halbrand, where you do see her, um, you know, as stubborn as she is, she's starting to she she is uh, learning, and then even that conversation when she does talk with the queen. Uh, with what I've always called Saruman's ball, <laughs> uh, when seeing stone, when when uh, she's talking with him, and you get more of that, you know, they have that line in there earlier of you know cleverness versus wisdom, and or versus being wise, and and her instilling some wisdom in, into the middle of negotiating for a specific thing. Uh, I I thought that was nice to get like a shade of that Galadriel. And and see more of the wise elvish side of her. When usually what we've been seeing is just kind of like the brooding, angry yeah, kind of the, the warrior. Yeah, the uncompromising with, warrior with some like repetitive delivery in the way she talks. But this one, I I, I quite enjoyed her. And and uh, still, to me, Elrond and, and Durin are are the best parts of of the show. Like whenever we're with them, it's even with Elrond's speech that he's talking about his dad. I thought that was very touching, and I'm like, I don't know his dad. I don't even know this guy. <laughs> I don't yeah, even yeah, know yeah. this character. Probably but heard his name offhand at one, at one point or another, but yeah. But the history of the effect that his dad had on him and the conversation of how he's using it to instill, again, some wisdom to Durin during a, a time that is quite tumultuous for him and feeling like he's not worthy enough, not good enough, and in a state of anger. I thought it was a very moving speech and everything with uh, Aaron Deere showing up being a badass and who is most likely Sauron, unless the show is doing one massive mislead, who is uh, most yeah. likely Sauron. Um, I, I thought it had a, a really striking mood and tone. And yeah, I thought, you know what it was too? Like this, this was, uh, 
felt like we actually had like character stuff. Yeah, it felt like character driven. It felt like there yeah. was character uh, detail and character layers with the plot stuff moving forward. It feels it seems like they finally managed to do both at the same time instead of just like dumping exposition into the like backstory explanation while talking to each other. Yeah, and sometimes people justify that as character driven dialogue, but it's really not. <laughs> and here I I thought. Like something more character driven to me is like those conversations with Galadriel and the Queen and Galadriel and, and Halbrand. And, you know, those moments felt like, oh, this is like good character narrative for Galadriel, things to learn. Yeah, no, totally. It's, it does well to push her out of her comfort zone. And that in and of itself creates a certain character moment because, yeah, you have to watch her overcome an obstacle. Uh, and one that requires you to, you know, kind of look within and also look at, you know, that whole thing about what does she fear? Look at, you know, what she's up against and, and don't necessarily use it to exploit her, but see if you can, you know, look past that and maybe offer some kind of aid. And I feel like that speaks to, you know, the humanity within anybody. But through that, you know, it's I feel like indirectly calling uh, with Galadriel up until this point, you know, as much as I like uh, Morfith Clark's performance generally, there is kind of like a, there's that one, one, this happened to me a lot in the Hobbit movies too, and I feel like it is often the pitfall in fantasy where, yeah, it's like the character dialogue becomes, I'm just talking a lot about my mission and, and the mission that I'm on, and that's my focus, but yeah, you, you actually have to watch her kind of navigate a social situation and step beyond her comfort zone. And I thought that was that made for a really satisfying turn when by the end the uh, petals start to fall and the queen actually does offer the aid and step into the conflict and, you know, bring that, you know, allied power, you know. And I thought they, you know, spread that out in a way where it felt actually satisfying and like it built upon something. And you, across this episode, were seeing various aspects of culture whether that be unrest in the city of Numenor just with the ground level characters or you're seeing into the actual rituals and and uh you know practices that even the most you know scummy creatures on this earth have in the orcs or even with the dwarves when they're doing the sort of ceremony to bring out uh the the lost miners like there are so many things that I think blend over nicely with that plot stuff basically yeah uh and i like the i like the way they're fleshing out a lot of this it's it's starting to become something that is actually become you know what i've never said with the thing that was i I could just never say prior to this episode was i never found anything compelling Mm. and i think there are compelling qualities too here everything with duran and duran and his father i thought was uh really interesting too like there is a complexity there and this game that Durin is sort of playing with Elrond, where it doesn't kind of seem he, he there's always a a, a guard up, and yeah. every time you think that guard is is completely let down, it's not. That yeah. there is always a rising suspicion that there's something more there. You, you, I do root for their friendship. Like I, I, yeah. I, I root for them to get. I'm like I feel like Elrond's just more like that scared man. I like, feel like he's he did a come good here dude. with he did come here with an agenda and a favor, but he's been pretty honest with you you know yeah. so i i root for that friendship uh quite a bit i like the queen a lot uh, honestly i mean i said it last episode when the queen was introduced i was like here we go another stoic ass character yeah. and i i i think she she is a whoever this actress is i don't i never 
I don't, maybe I've seen her work before. I don't know. Cynthia Ade Robinson. I think she, the, the way the at least it might have something to do with the director of this episode. I, I'm like, I don't want to make this just a conversation of like, what did this episode work for? <laughs> the other side, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might yeah. have something to do with the way this episode, in particular, was directed. But there was something about capturing the mood and then the expression, like she, you know, when she's having those uh, those visions and, and the way she when she fears something. I'm like, I, she really does sell the fear in her eyes, yeah. and she does sell without over emoting being torn between what to do even in her first conversation with galadriel i thought was really well done and even fleshing out the city of uh yeah, numenor numenor, numenor uh, numenor and uh the the political angles of uh, of how the society there feels about elves it's it's starting to build a world that i am truly that i feel an emotion towards now something that has an emotional pull more than just facts about what's going on it's starting it's starting to click for me i mean i'm, I'm hoping it kind of stays this way yeah, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. builds upon it you know yeah. uh but as it's going i mean what other storylines were there uh, oh the the son with theo i, yeah. I thought that you know kids <laughs> love how whenever they go back to that home it's gonna be a tentor film yeah and, uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh with with theo i i liked how he the way that sequence was captured it felt very much like a video game um as he's like sneaking around and then yeah. you, like you hide behind a wall that character could probably see you from if they just like looked a little bit <laughs> if you don't make a noise <laughs> but, you'll be fine yeah <laughs> but but in terms of obscured vision in video game levels yeah. <laughs> it, it worked for me i like the way that sequence was done and the other thought that that this this episode in particular really solidified for me other than a couple of shots where it feels like an actor in a costume like literally at the most nitpicky a couple of shots if so you could just pretty much ignore me saying that because i actually think the way they flesh out the el uh, the orcs yes. in this show is better than the movies by quite a bit like i think they 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 the personality they provide the they no i mean there is a certain like orcs are always going to be all nasty <laughs> the <laughs> most grimy <laughs> cockney yeah. fellows yeah but they actually <laughs> feel threatening and when they show up in hordes you know the, it had me for a, a brief moment admittedly just a, a tiny moment but briefly, when Arendir, Theo, and uh, Hot Mom were yeah. uh, in the woods, I was like, oh, "Shit, what the fuck, Mom might get killed here?" <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Because the when the orcs aren't that big of droves, like that big of a horde, it 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 they are kind of scary, and you do see that they are an actual threat that can kill you, and they're not just you know quantity henchmen while we wait for something bigger and yeah. better to show up <laughs> they can yeah. show up in a mob but in this show like especially in the in the hiding scene with theo it, it does feel like they are all individuals sort of gnarled up characters and whatnot like even though there yeah. is that sort of grimy quality still yeah there's something that feels a little more real and a little more alive about them and i think too again seeing that brief moment at the camp when uh you know they're laying that one guy to rest i think even just that one beat really adds a lot to just the i don't know weird communal like even though they are evil ostensibly they are still like a group communal trying to subsist and trying to find their land in this you know realm of realm and like it, everyone 
thus far is being displaced to some degree. I mean, the Harfoots are nomadic, but then you have, you know, uh, Bronwyn's village, who is now, you know, forced to flee and forced to find some place new. And you've got Numenor looking like destruction may be imminent and things like that. And so even though they are completely on the opposite side, there's still something like underlying that makes them just feel more yeah alive than oh here comes the big scary guys and, and i feel like too the way they use the darkness that comes with them like when they got back to the light i was like oh it's not nighttime actually in this episode and i thought the um you know that from night into day well, I thought they left the shadow. I thought it's like the shadow consumed the village to such a point that like, or, or e- either way, the way they use the shadow when it sets in that first time when the sun is still out, like it does feel ominous and a little more palpable yeah. in a way than just like, ooh, a mystical force. You know, it feels more desolate and that horror movie kind of oh. tone feels like it gets a, an actual transition motivated by the surroundings. Wait. Are you right about that? I'm trying. I want to make sure I'm understanding this. I'm not sure because he gets cause back with the cart and it's like nighttime, right? Yeah, at yeah. the watch. Yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty so, sure it's nighttime when he gets back. Yeah, so I mean, I guess it's like the next morning or something. Yeah. It's like a dawn when they get out of the out of the shadow into the light. Yeah. So there is kind of they're both overlapping. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. shadow overlaps with the day into the night into the next day. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I. I think uh, I think Theo is uh, what they're building up with Theo. It, 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 I feel like you know if they play if they keep building upon it properly, it could lead to something that could potentially be quite heartbreaking. Sure, because she really cares about that ki- her kid. Yeah, she <laughs> you know, does. You know, she really loves that kid, <laughs> and he wants so badly to help, and is always getting in trouble he's, doing. He's it. just like a freaking angsty little ass. <laughs> yeah, and so and now he's got the ultimate <laughs> angst machine in his. Yeah, hands. and I think I, I like I like I find that compelling that amongst this camp of you know the the people who have fl- fleed from this village. That uh, what was it? The barkeep, the the innkeeper. Yeah. Um, how he actually had a connection to. I gotta keep asking you for words. What is the name that are, they're they're calling it? Oh, the the hilt, the blade. Hilt is it? Yeah, the I hilt. guess it's just the hilt, right? Yeah, now. because yeah. It, that yeah. Um, that he had the connection to the hilt, and yeah. it's like this is our little secret here. Like that that is fascinating. Like, yeah. Oh my god, that this evil was lurking here already amongst someone else, and now he feels like he's got a companion. Mm-hmm. And when the Theo has no idea what's going on, you should probably say something. <laughs> um, it, it feels like finally by this episode yeah. we've got all the main all the main places set, so now we can actually start developing each camp of the story, and the geography between them feels more palpable too. Yeah, I think the one storyline that uh, I'm waiting to that that I'm only interested in only because I know the end result. Uh-huh. It, is a sealed door but what they're currently doing i i'm not that into i like the dad with valendale is that not something looking for his name oh captain ellen deals i was credited that's right yeah all right um yeah i like the dad a lot i I think the dad brings a lot of history and uh so he's great to watch and and everyone he's bouncing off of he's feels like a a traditionally stage play actor yeah. like there's something like really great about the way he is yeah um the presence he provides it feels very natural with the world uh and but Isildur himself uh, I, I feel like even some of the way they orchestrate the 
dialogue surrounding him seems to be because we know where it's going with him. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's, for me, Isildur is most interesting because of everybody else around him in his story. Like whether it's Elendil or his sister or the two guy, like the two sailors who he is discharged with. I was pretty engaged by that alone. Yeah. Um, and I thought that at least made for a nice turnaround at the end where they are sure, the ones yeah. who are like, we will volunteer, and then they kind of inspire him. Like, there are little notes there, but yeah, it, it is, I think you hit it on the head. It's like the one, even though there's a lot of stories that hearken to certain archetypes and certain outcomes, that one is so obvious because, you know, it's so important where he goes. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm waiting for that to settle or to have some kind of real character beyond... I feel like a lot of his character beats thus far have been pretty general for what his journey is. You know, he he's, he dreams of exploring, and you know he's trying to satisfy expectations, and that's fine. But I, I would like to see that character open up a bit because even with like Arendir, like he's very stoic, very quiet. But in those moments, like when he is talking to uh, Adar, uh, uh, the character they call Father, like there is you you. I don't know. There's something compelling, even though he is so kind of stoic and quiet. Well, he's a great actor. He is. He's. He, <laughs> I've I've said it since this first episode. Like he's great. He he really re- even in the third episode, which I thought was really dull. I thought I thought he was great. Yeah. Because you can see you can he, he has that 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 rare. It's not common amongst actors where you can see what he's thinking without him having to say it. And yeah. it's really difficult to find an actor who can do such a thing. Like his scene with, I'm just going to call him Sauron. It's probably Sauron. All right. So his scene with Sauron, um, you know, when he has that blade and you could tell, like, he's scared. He's he's on the defense. He might want to fight, but he knows he'll lose. He's, yeah. he, he doesn't even know who this person is. Yeah. He has, he's not even sure who this is. But he knows but he, something very, like, he has to yeah. be very intent on this moment. Like, yeah. the way he succumbs to what is the message, you can just feel that de- that pain of defeat and loss and losing. Yeah. In, in that very moment. Like, it's no choice. So, like, the, the scene there in general was a, was a great tense scene. It was, it was a really well done scene. And uh, I like the buildup of this guy, who's probably Sauron. And, <laughs> <laughs> like it is, right? Like yeah. who else would it be? Yeah. Uh, well, and, I, and, well I, even, I even again back to the orcs, though, really quick. Back to the orcs, like him. I feel like if in the movies, at least, you know, I can't attest to the books, but I feel like in the movies, it would have just been like another fucking orc is dead, you know. Yeah, oh, they wouldn't have cared at all. Yeah, <laughs> but know. but I like the connection uh, that he has when he is like gives a mercy kill. Yeah, um, and and he stays connected, and and it's like the way that he, with the smile, with the orc and the eyes, the eye connection they have mm. of like you're dying, it's okay now. You yeah. did you did good. You're at <laughs> peace. Yeah, like weirdly you're at peace. Yeah, it feels like he really actually has a connection and cares, and they they are his children. <laughs> You served us, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I really, uh, I, I really, I really like the the way they've 
I didn't think I'd say that about this show, but because uh, like when I saw the amount of orcs in the trailers, it just seemed like eh, orcs. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what do you do? You throw a bunch of orcs at it. <laughs> yeah. How do we get some instant action? Orcs. But I think the main thing, the one thing I'd really give this show that I think they've elevated above the films is, <laughs> is the orcs. The orcs are, are great. <laughs> yeah. No, and I hope that that uh, trend continues here. And two, I think this episode. I think it's just a testament to like when it's working, then the stylistic flourishes work because like it's clear that within the style of this show, most episodes I would expect some kind of grand sweeping couple, maybe even slow motion sequences here. It was, you know, the battle in the woods comes to mind. Um, and, and those things play a lot better in an episode like this when you really can be pulled into Yeah, I feel like they have, when you get a character-driven or more character-driven episode like this that does have moments of levity, but also never forgetting what the stakes are, then you can sell your more ethereal moments or your moments that have these grand sweeping choruses singing beneath them or these disparate, like, single voices singing under them. Like, all those things that, you know, come across as so you know, huge and, again, ethereal and and of such circumstance. Like, those, they work a lot better when you can feel both the life but also the desperate tension of the circumstances. Oh, yeah, like when, uh, uh, oh, my God, fucking names. What is uh, Turin's wife's name? Oh, her name is, oh, uh, go back one page, uh, Disa. Disa. Um, when, When Disa... Uh, when they're singing to the, I, I didn't know what ritual they were doing, and then when you find out that they're talking to the walls and like that connection they have to the walls, I, yeah, I thought that was really neat. Uh-huh. It actually imbued it in, and again, emotion, yeah, <laughs> and not just like pretentious. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's a yeah. real like this episode, like in the previous episode, <laughs> that might have played very silly, but yeah, with everything working together, it really bolsters moments like that. And even the thing with the Mithril, uh, I thought like that could easily have been just like a oh, there's a thing you know, but that even was like a nice compelling plot point. You get to go, "Oh yeah, I know what that is," but at the same time, you know the gravity of that discovery and also the tension of being like, well, now because of this interplay between Elrond and Durin, the fourth now, you know, they're at least for the moment barred from even pursuing that. And so, yeah, they're they're They just managed to bring everything up with like a a good, interesting twist on each detail. Yeah. To make everything a bit more rich, I think. Yeah, man, that's a good one. Good, good good, one. Good one. The only one thing that's not that interesting to me right now is a sealed door, but I'm giving Holding out faith, yes, faith uh, that it will uh, become more interesting. I know some people are already on board for a sealed work, but for me personally, I'm like, he looks like a friend of mine, and it hasn't gotten past the point where I just keep seeing my friend. You're friends with Tony Revelor. <laughs> That's right, man. Me and Tony go way back, bro. Uh, um, Hit me up. Why uh, don't you return my calls, Tony? Yeah, and the sister. Honestly, it's just, it's the sister is more interesting. Sister is more interesting, but like they are the least interesting characters out of this episode. They remain the the slightest to me. Yeah. Like even for how little we've seen Hallbrand over the course of this, like he seems more meaty than his Zildor so far. Yeah, well, Hallbrand's been developing a personality. He's been hanging out in that prison cell just rehearsing <laughs> how to talk to people. <laughs> Yeah, I thought the well, who directed this episode again? I've never heard of this director. Yeah, me um, 
Wayne Chayette. That's an interesting name. Asian. Why did I think Spanish? Yep. Che. <laughs> che faked <laughs> you out. <laughs> yeah, it's Che. Yeah, it is Che. Uh, oh, mainly, mainly just a TV director. Doom Patrol. Wonder how much cre- you never know how much creative freedom these like some of these shows. Yeah. How much creative freedom? Imagine on Lord of the Rings, they gave you a little more creative freedom to kind of do some shit. I would imagine they bring you in, and especially it seems like he's directed at least he's a few a, of these. He's so an he... Amazon director, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Hunters, Wheel of Time. Yeah. Is that Amazon or is that ABC? I forget. I think Wheel of Time was an Amazon. That's Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I feel like, it, yeah, especially on a show that's as expensive as this, I feel like you would get a few directors together and they would be part of your think tank. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all right. All right, guys. Cool. It was a good episode. I uh, like this one more than the second. So favorite one so Best far. Episode. I hope they stay on this path. Stay. I like the course they are charting, <laughs> and I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm excited. All right. Well, you guys can subscribe, click that bell, leave a like. Last month, Lisa, to the Patreon. Mark Leach. Now, Mark, I know you've been having an insanely rough time lately. So we looked up your name on Urban Dictionary. Mm. And um, I hope you like what it has to say. Mark, a really funny guy who likes to make people laugh. This is very accurate. Even in during a hard time, he's got a great soul, and it's all he wants to do is help others. Good nature, good humor. He probably has a meme account and is happy to send you memes. The dankest. He has really fluffy hair and amazing brown eyes. His hair is just like a Garnet Fruitis commercial Ooh. with amazing brown Such eyes. Volume. Piercing. His smile is so warm, it will make you want to smile whenever... Ooh. He smiles. It becomes like a mirror that makes me smile. It's almost like a horror movie. Mm. He is extremely attractive and has really nice hands. Oh, show me those hands again. One of the first things you ever say when you you meet Mark Leach is like, whoa, those hands. hands. I've never seen hands so visually striking before. He makes you happy and makes you feel better. Mm. He is my therapy. He is my cure. He's, He's really good at cooking ramen. And loves doggos. I don't even know what doggos are. Dogs. But I love oh, dogs. They're just regular dogs. Yeah, it's just a fun way of saying dogs. Oh, I thought Mark's they were, a fun guy. You put cooking ramen and doggos in the same. I thought it was food. Um, I thought it was like a bacon wrap sausage. Could be. Mark also maybe likes a bacon wrap and sausage. Cooking ramen. He's a great college roommate. <laughs> he is all the good things in one. He will always be on your mind, even when you try to get him yeah. out there. You would be the luckiest girl on earth to have him because Mark is a master in the bedroom. Dude. I mean, cleaning and keeping frames organized and closing the drawers. Mm-hmm. And he will only please you in bed if requested formally via email. And only once the bed has been made. That Mark is a very organized person very organized. and covers all his tracks mm-hmm. to make sure... He's doing the right thing at all times. Make way for those nice hands. And trust me, those emails are flooded. Ooh, 
flooded with requests, batting them off left and right. But he can't just go. He can't respond to everyone. There's just too many requests for Mark to be in the bedroom with them. Consider yourself lucky if he gets back to you. Even if he just responds. Even if it's an automated <laughs> reply. I mean, that's probably enough for most of us to get where we need to go. An automated reply makes me feel special. Mm-hmm. So, Mark, thank you for doing such a wonderful human deed, my friend. You are the bomb. Being you.